0: Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show. This week, we're talking about red flags and green flags in the world's biggest economy. That is the US, of course. Lots of economic data coming out. Making sense of it, of course, becomes a little bit more challenging. Let's listen to our take on this. Hopefully, we can give you a few key pointers to keep you safe on the straight and narrow, most importantly, profitable. See you in the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Orenshaw. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. I'm not sure if it's that suit
1: being in blue, but it makes you look awfully tanned. Sunkist, I believe. Sunkist. Month in the Mediterranean, will do it for you every time. Very jealous, very jealous. I'll get there one day. Speaking of which, let's talk about somewhere else across shore, and that's the US. Uh, major headlines coming out mm-hmm. of there right now. We've just had the Jackson Hole Symposium, Economic Conference. Seems to be a bit of a mix of data at this stage in the US, green flags and red flags. I want to talk about both of those.
0: Always interesting, isn't it, when you've got that sort of stop, go, accelerator, break, risk on, risk off. And and I think more than anything, and I'm sure we'll get to this as we go through the podcast, Mitch, is the fragility uh, of markets where a comment Uh, albeit from someone substantial, and someone whose comments carry weight, but a single comment can have a massive impact on markets. And I I think that just shows the sort of fragility uh, that markets are in right now, where they're looking for the cues and clues as to what's happening next. Indeed. Well, here's a statistic for you. It was actually the shortest speech
1: from a central bank governor Ever at a Jackson Hole symposium and it had one of the largest effects on
0: markets. Keep it to the point, you know, and say what you mean, mean what you say and get that message across. And, and in all fairness to Jerome Powell and, 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 and the US Fed Reserve, they've been extraordinarily good through this cycle at really communicating with markets. They they haven't waffled, they haven't been um, vague uh, and, and created inferences. They've been absolutely font 50 bold, underlined specific about what they're doing. And I think that's really a great way to see markets steward through really volatile conditions. You know, we're going to raise interest rates. It's going to happen. It's probably going to be this or that. That's the sort of information that markets thrive on versus, you know, what a reserve bank has done here in Australia, which has been really sort of murky and, and, and open to misinterpretation, according to Dr. Philip Lowe, not my favourite person, as everyone that follows this podcast <laughs> would uh, would follow. And, 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 and that's really poor guidance from a central bank. Make it clear, make it obvious, and markets respond to that versus yeah, uncertainty um, and, and vagueness is not there so certainly jerome powell's comments yeah had a direct and immediate impact on markets and as i say that reflects the fragility of where things are at right now right one comment boom and you get a you know a three percent move yeah or 17 percent move up in uvxy on friday nice trade by the
1: way very good trade now AB the the whole notion of these decisions or these speeches or comments these central banks are making is in respect to the data which Mm -hmm. comes out so can we get a short rundown on how
0: important data is what kind of data is important and what effect it has on markets Look, we've been in a situation where markets have really been looking for some solid headlines to anchor into, obviously, you know, the post-COVID world, you know, war in Ukraine, inflation creeping up, all of those things have weighed very, very heavily. And so, you know, the focus, I think, from investors, you know, if we turn the clock back, you know, just to last year, which was a nice, bullish, trending market, at least up until November. Headline uh, to headline data releases weren't that important. We're in a, a, a good trending market, but as we've gone into choppier times, the the, the sets of eyeballs really looking out for and anticipating data um, has, has been huge. So let's take CPI, uh, you know, consumer price uh, inflation, and PPI, producer price inflation, as two, you know, pretty important headlines, given the fact that you know the conversation is is about inflation as it has been now for the last six months, and and what we've started to see is a bit of an easing in those, which is great news. Um, you know, it. Shows that, um, you know, price pressure is starting to ease off. There's always a lag between PPI and CPI, but they're both starting to show a little bit of weakness there. I think a lot of that is due to the fall in energy and commodity prices. Uh, And and for those people that study history, particularly history around markets, you know, weaker commodity prices, typically, usually a sign um, of, you know, you're getting towards the back end of a bear market. Usually when you start to see that happen, it's one of the sort of final confirmations that you, you typically look out for in those circumstances. So not only, is it the absolute data, but it's the underlying cause, um, you know, lower energy prices, weaker commodity prices have seen um, you know, PPI come off a little bit uh, and seen a little bit of the easing of pressure I think from an inflation perspective, which is good news and, and may mean that we're more on track for what's called a soft landing uh, rather than a recession, which is good news all around. Totally.
1: A number of green flags there. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand any piece of data which affects interest rate decisions is what causes the market to move as it as it has been. Correct. Any other good pieces of information that we've had come out in the US, AB
0: specifically? Well, the earnings season was was deemed as being you know, pretty positive. The companies will get in the confession booth and have to say, you know, how the uh, last quarter has been and what they anticipate going forward. Uh, and to a large extent, that, that surpassed expectations. That said, your know, expectations were so incredibly low um, that you know, any any hint of light at the end of the tunnel was deemed as being, you know, largely positive. So by and large, it was a reasonable earnings season, which, you know, the market responded well to. We saw a a nice move higher. But the underlying challenges facing the economy haven't gone away. Um, You know, if you look at earnings uh, and consumer sentiment, let's tie the two together. um, Yeah, I do think that that's still a cause for concern in the U.S. because whilst inflation may slow down, we've got to understand that inflation is that rate of change in prices. Now, if prices move up very steeply, that's inflation. If in prices stay high, that's not inflation, okay? And that's a really hard one for people to get their head around. Um, but once prices move up, they very seldom move back with the same level of gusto. And so, yeah, that's really hit the consumer. It's hit the consumer uh, in terms of their confidence in the US insofar as, um, you know, higher grocery bills, which is a global phenomenon. And, and you know, and as we see you know, geopolitical events in the Ukraine and China and things like that constrain supply of goods and services, you know, prices have definitely moved higher. Energy prices have moved higher, sort of come back a little bit now. Um, and, and that's really affected the consumer and the spare money, the discretionary money they've got left at the end of the day to go spend on, on what they choose to. Uh, and I think that's going to continue to have a, a more marked effect as prices maybe don't rise as much, but are more, Durable at those higher price levels, and we've got to contend with a more expensive economy to live in. Uh, And I guess what I'm talking about there is something called a a trade down. Um, And that's where, you know. If you go into the grocery store, maybe you're not buying the brand that you want. You might get a cheaper brand. Um, it's still pasta. It's still pasta sauce. So it's still X or Y. It's just not, it's just not necessarily that premium brand that you would normally go for. And that's the sort of thing that does hit earnings over the longer term for companies for sure. So that's that's a, a mixed one um, to look out for. But I think that that does have some level of risk still associated with it. Yeah, and from a retail perspective, know yeah, the consumer went ballistic last year. You know, most closets in the US are, are pretty full of clothing, uh, and so you can sort of see that that sort of sector probably will will, will be continue to run into a bit of a headwind, I think.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that. We just had our Aussie uh, retail sales figures out, mm. 0.3% was the expected, it yep. was at one3 yep. so very healthy on the consumer's part likely because we're at full employment. So what about yeah. employment
0: in the U.S. particularly, AB? Yeah, I mean, the employment's still been, you know, and, and when you talk about employment and unemployment in the U.S., you know, the measure for unemployment is quite different to here. Um, you know, obviously you're gonna be actively seeking work, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we also saw a lot of people leave the workforce, um, you know, when COVID happened, and that's not something to be sort of dismissed to the annals of history. We saw the same thing here in Australia, where let's say you're sort of transitioning into potentially retirement, and you think, well, yeah, that's it's all over now anyway. Um, may as well just take an early retirement and Blood coast dumps. through. Um, you know, and a lot of people did that and left the workforce. One of the things that we uh, and we've seen this sort of quiet quitting movement, which has also caused some issues within the labour markets where, you know, people that have been under a, a level of stress, poor them in this work world that we live in. Um, you know, you wonder how they'd handle, uh, we, we, you know, stress like a depression in the 1920s, uh, for example. But, you know, parking that to the side for a moment, um, you know, people have sort of gone through this quiet quitting movement and now having to come to terms with a manifest more expensive cost of living, and that's bringing people back into the labour market. Is that and you know because we've had full employment, wages have moved up as well, so it becomes more attractive to be in the labour market too. So you know you're starting to see those people creep back in, um, which is you know is a phenomenon that's quite unique to what we've seen in the last sort of eighteen months in markets. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know the the, the employment markets are really really um, healthy, uh, which is good to see. Uh, what we've seen in Australia, which is maybe slightly different from the U.S. is, and this also is underpinned, of course, by the welfare system we have here in Australia, that even though we've got, you know, full employment and, and, and in fact more people, you know, plenty of vacancies, 700,000, 800,000 vacancies in the marketplace right now, we've also got more people on benefit than that were there before COVID too. And that sort of nice warm bottle to suck on uh, has prompted probably a bit of tardiness of people getting back into the workforce. That's not such an issue in the U.S. because the welfare support system for unemployed people is, 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 is virtually non-existent. All right. Well, there's a
1: lot to digest there, AB. Um, what are some red flags that we're seeing in the US
0: right now? Look, I think um, yeah, politics would have to be a, a huge one. We've got the midterms coming up on the horizon. Uh, I don't think that's going to be particularly pleasant for the Democrats. Um, And I'm not saying this with any level of political bias. It's just been a vacuum in terms of leadership. And some of the successes you might talk of would be, you know, the IRA Act, the the Inflation um, Reduction Reduction Act, Act, uh, which is legislation that's just been passed to, to get prices down. It's a really nice political headline. Sounds good. It does. And, you know, the intention of it is great. But like anything, when the government try to interfere with things, it usually has the opposite effect, I think you're going to see quite a substantial long-term wait uh, before you see anything. Remotely, um, directly impacting on inflation pressure, which is the number one pressure for for, for, for for the U.S. economy right now. An example of that is you know the the ability for harder negotiating for the prescription drugs uh, between you know hospitals and the drug companies, which is you know it's the biggest rot on the planet. Anyone that's had any kind of uh, any kind of medical attention in the U.S. knows that. It, I mean, it's just phenomenally expensive for no real reason. I think it was Michael Moore. Do you remember Michael Moore, the documentary guy? You know, shooting. Rolling for Columbine and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, did a documentary on health uh, and, and and asthma spray. Uh, manufactured in the US by a US company was selling it around $80 for a US hospital and you can get it for 62 cents in Havana in Cuba exactly the same that's product crazy. showing you the amount of fat that's in there so you know, it, it, yes there's a right for hospitals to negotiate and it all sounds great uh, whether that has an impact or not will be another matter so you know that midterm and general politics new housing starts another one um, you know, the housing industry in the US has been you know, surprisingly robust over the last probably 12-18 months but we're starting to see uh, some cracks there new housing starts are a little bit Slower. I think home sales are down and construction starts yeah. are down as well, mm. and, and 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 I guess that had to happen from the the, the fever pitch. Uh, that was going on before. If you have effectively zero interest rates, people will buy property because why wouldn't you? Um, you know, it's a real asset and in an inflationary environment. But that 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 balloon is starting to um, starting to let out a bit of air now. So that that will be something that has, you know, probably far-reaching consequences, given it's a backbone of most economies uh, in terms of you know the construction sector. That said, on the other side of the coin, uh, a, a slowing down of the construction sector will also help ease some of the pressure and inflation which is, of course, a positive on the other side.
1: And you speak of before, AB, the fragility of markets, mm-hmm. and we had Powell's speech last week. There's been a number of different examples of that through the year. Yeah. If you're a trader right now, where are you
0: sort of looking to next <laughs> to avoid that? Because that's that's pretty tough going. <laughs> yes, it is. And and I think, you know, in essence, Mitch, what we're coming back to now is is, is that notion that successful, and this might sort of be a bit of a head spin, but successful trading and investing, it's not about forecasting or predicting what the market is going to do. Now, a lot of people go, well, yes, it is. It's about buying low and selling high and and, and and trying to put your pieces on the chessboard in the right place at the right time. The challenge with forecasting, or let's call it what it is, guessing, um, because effectively you've got a 50-50 chance of being right or wrong, and, and you can try and make an educated guess based on all sorts of different things, but the reality is it's still a guess. Um, successful investing in my mind isn't about trying to guess or forecast where the market's going and what it's doing. It's more about being nimble and being able to respond to what's happening now. And the reason why happening now is so important, it's a fact. It's not a guess as to what might happen, it's a fact. So some of the things to come back to to assist in that um, taking action. yeah, this is where charting is is especially important. You know, having your trend lines in play and accurately in play and your support and resistance levels are massively important. So if you've got something that's been in a medium and short-term yeah, bullish run, it's likely to continue to do that. But if you've got something that's all over the place and hasn't really formed a trend, it's going to be very, very hard and it shows something that's quite fickle and, and likely to bounce around with the wrong kind of commentary. Whereas if you've got something that's been trending and it's absorbed some of the comments and commentary that has come out of the markets and, and, and the market influences over the last three to six months, and then there's a stronger story behind it and you can be more comfortable backing that kind of investment. So yeah, I wouldn't be trying to guess where it's going next. You can forecast the market's going to be marginally higher by the end of the year, but we're probably going to have a pullback in September. That's a great forecast to have, probably going to be right, but could easily just as well be wrong. Be wrong and yeah. if you're on the wrong side of that, it makes it quite tricky. So doing your work, getting a charts up to date, having your levels drawn on there, having a a, a very decisive action plan I think is critical. So if this happens, then I'm going to do this. If this happens, then I'm going to do that Um, is is crucial. And it stops you second guessing yourself in in these fast moving markets. So a good example of that would be, look, if if you've got a, 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 you're looking for an entry, and let's say, for argument's sake, it could be a short entry into the market. Um, You know, the news commentary coming out of Powell um, caused the market to sell off. It was a break of a short-term uptrend. It's consistent with where the medium trend is for markets. So if that happens and markets drop below this support level, I'm going to short the market either by buying a put, buying a short future, or should I say selling a future, or or, or, or buying a short ETF, or, or, or whatever it may be that is your go-to strategy, buying a put option or, you know, selling calls, whatever spreads, whatever your go-to strategy might be under those circumstances, be ready to do it. So on that break of the trend and the confirmation is there, take the action as opposed to Oh, yeah, it looks like it's starting to trend down. Let's just wait for a week, see what happens. It's already done its thing. So, by the time you're getting in, you're chasing the game. You're then vulnerable to FOMO. you got to get in before it's too late. And that's a bad entry, silly decision. So, you're doing the homework now and being ready. If this happens, then I'm going to do that. But if that happens, I'm going to do this. So, having a bit of a dog leg game plan. So, yeah, you know, if markets move high, you've got an action plan. If markets move low, you've got an action plan. If they stay flat, you've got an action plan. Lay out the work now, so that when the confirmation presents itself, you're not there thinking, "What should I do under these circumstances?" You're actually in action mode and capitalising on the opportunity that presents. And that, that's really hard. Uh, like it's easy to talk about and it's easy to do because that's what we do for a living. But you know, for, for for you know Joe Bagadon, it's the average person that's out there managing a portfolio or some investments. It's actually very very hard to do real time because sifting out what's important and what's not. Um, and what to do and what not to do under those circumstances requires a level of training uh, and it requires a level of objectivity, which is not being bounced around based on psychology and a fear factor of a recession or bad earnings or or, or inflation getting out of control, but just seeing things for what they are. Uh, it takes a lot to build that muscle memory up. It's learnable. It's what we do. It's what we teach as a bread and butter business. And we've got thousands of clients out there doing it. But don't fall into the trap of okay, here's all the green flags, here's, here's all the red ones. Okay, there's more green than red, therefore the market's going to go up. It takes one headline to change the argument. That, as it did Friday. Mm. Crazy. What about the impact of fundamental analysis, AB?
1: Arguably one of the hardest pillars of analysis, albeit probably very relevant to this situation.
0: Look, it is. Uh, uh, it, it, I spoke about looking at your charts to, to help with your timing, and in, in this kind of fickle market, it's, that's that's your ultimate red and green flag uh, to, 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 to validate what you might be seeing on a fundamental perspective, and I think bringing those two things together in focus is critical. The fundamentals have to support your technical view, and the technical view has to support your fundamentals. And that's not about curve fitting. And this is my view: let's try and force it to, to work. You've got to try and really be objective about that. And you know, the big fundamentals are, you know, what is the biggest threat to markets right now? And I think, you know, with volatility at these lower levels, you know, the volatility balloon has shrunk considerably over the last, you know, two months or, or six weeks, particularly. Um, you know, why has volatility dropped? Have we become accustomed to living in this fear of a recession, for example? Uh, and is that overdone? Is volatility now too cheap? Is now the time to buy it? Um, because you know, what are the risks that sit out there? I think you know, we still have a conflict in Europe. We're moving toward, you know, the back end of the year, which for the northern hemisphere means we're moving back into winter, and there's a demand. And the world, even though energy prices have come off, there is going to be a demand um, for heating oil or natural gas to keep people warm and avoid literally freezing to death through the winter months. Uh, and we've got that conflict with Russia turning down, um, you know, in fact turning off one of its gas pipelines while it services a turbine. Very Nord convenient. Stream Two, is that exactly right? Exactly right. So very convenient time. Uh, timing for for that particular of course. course of action uh, which is going to send a lot of people uh, you know a little more nervous uh, about what the future might look like there um, and and I do think you know we're in for as we come out of you know if we have a soft landing we go back into expansion mode yeah you know, stronger demand for energy prices so that energy risk and, and and spike in energy prices and the effect that can have on an economy remains there and I think volatility is you know possibly underpriced a little bit on the back of that for example so there's an example of some fundamental Mentals coming together a little bit messy in the way that we've laid it out, but volatility is cheap. Energy prices have also come off the boil and are likely to see a spike. Um, would be two things I think uh, to look out for from a trader's perspective. That said, there's you know, great value out there in markets right now, uh, even though we've seen a, a, something of a rally in markets. And I think buying you know, sustainable businesses that have good growth prospects at cheaper levels remains you know, a good, robust game to have. Uh, you know, it's one of the better paying games in town. You know, boring is good sometimes. As long as you get paid, you'd rather be rich and right at the same time. Yeah, no, well, they're not always the same thing, but if you can be right and rich, you can be conceited from sitting <laughs> on your throne, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting times, and, and, and I, I think more than anything, and you know, I hate to be a scaremonger, and I'm, that's definitely not the tenor of this podcast, never has been, never will be. At the same time, I think it will be you know negligent of us not to point out to our followers, our listeners, people in our ecosystem that you know there remains a level of risk on right now. It's not going to take a lot, as we saw from one comment on Friday, to send markets running for the hills, particularly after the speed of recovery uh, that we've seen and also going through some of the green and red flags that we've had here. You know, China economic implosion or slowdown and we've just seen, um, you know, bushfires there, for example, on the back of a drought um, that that, that has got the potential to play hell with markets in terms of supply chains and things like that. Um, We've got a drought in the US where, you know, you've got Lake Mead at 20% of its capacity, which means, you know, um, your farmers in the Southern California Arizona area may not have water for irrigation which causes you know, a devastating impact on on food supply same in Mexico too for that matter um, which gives you inflation on your food uh, on your food products and, and, and your basic goods so yeah, there's prospects for energy inflation to come back and food price inflation to come back really really quickly so well we might see a 50 basis point rate rise, if that was a forecast, not that we're in that game, uh, from the next FOMC mating, there's nothing to say that's the last move, because if inflation comes back, they're going to get out with the size 12 cowboy boots and stamp that into the ground. Interesting, AB. Thank you very
1: much for that analysis. I think really good outlay there of the data and then how that affects markets.
0: So any, any final words before we cap off today? Risk management, absolutely key through these times. Cannot stress how important it is. Um, there are, uh, you know, in these kind of markets that are not trending markets, it's there's a good chance that you're going to be wrong at some point. And doesn't matter that you're wrong; it's how you handle being wrong. So, what strategy do you have in play if your view or what you're doing isn't working? And I'd say, you know, the first cut is always the cheapest; it's always the easiest. In fact, we've got a an interview coming up in a couple of weeks' time with my uh, my good buddy. Oh, I can't wait Uh, for this! And one of the most notorious traders in the 1990s, literally global stardom, all for the wrong reasons. For this particular character, and and, uh, as his advice uh, comes through loud and clear in our interview, you know, the first cut's always the. Cheapest. So risk management is is crucial. If you're not sure who I'm talking about, that that, that podcast will be coming out in a couple of weeks' time, and uh, look out for that. It's a, an absolute ripping interview, that's for sure. You've got me there, AB. Thank the you. The intrigue much. frame. So manage risk. Most important thing for our clients right now is is, is to manage risk. If things go wrong, cut it quick. Uh, be decisive uh, and don't second guess yourself. This is not an environment to oh no, give it a day, give it a day before you know it you're in all sorts of uh, tricky conditions, uh, which is not where you want to find yourself, especially when you've got Christmas presents to buy in a couple of months' time.
1: Can't wait for that. Ready to go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time today. It'd be a great
0: little insight there. Absolute Pleasure. Anytime, Mitch. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating so we can get this message out further, have more people in front of this. Good quality information, and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.